Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire, running your own company, achieving your life's goals, yet wake up in a cold sweat next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You um, are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Hello, caviar dreamers. Hi, caviar dreamers. Hope all is well and fabulous in your lives and you're staying home and healthy. We are back with another episode. Yes, we're back with another episode coming right from my kitchen. Hopefully, you'll get to escape your quarantine lives for just a second and listen to something about ours. Yes, listen to something about ours. I just want to know, are you guys home watching Netflix, hopefully Bravo, watching some reruns of The Marge, or hopefully you're reading or listening to some audiobooks? Because I like to do that. You know, I've become a little bit of a lazy bitch. I don't even like to read. I'm like, do I get a headache? So I've been listening to a lot of books on audio, but this is a time to catch up and and read or listen to books. So today we have on a great author and a good friend of mine, Emily Liebert, very powerful woman, very fabulous. She's a USA Today bestselling (laughs) author. She has written five fiction books, as well as more journalistic approach book. She is very accomplished. Yeah, extremely accomplished. She's also ghostwritten some books. She's collaborated on some books. She collaborated actually on Teresa's uh, most recent books. Wow. On her most recent book, she collaborated. She's a collaborating author on that. She's pretty fabulous and she's super interesting. And her most recent book that was out was Pretty Revenge, which I read, which was fabulous. You guys would love it. And it's out right now for only $1.99, a special sale because she has a new book coming out in a few weeks. Oh, so you could get uh, caught up with Pretty Revenge and then uh, be ready for her new book. When it yeah, launches. we just we just want to bang it out. Pretty Revenge came out in 2019. And I always say to her, Emily, you are friends with a lot of housewives. So do you base any of your you know, crazy maniacal characters. You know, they're not so maniacal on any of us or any of the women you know. Are you inspired by any of us? And the answer? Well, she goes, you know, maybe. Or, you know, I think we're going to get into that when we interview her. Ooh, I'm excited to hear about that. Yes. But, you know, her first book was journalistic. Was that the book Facebook Fairy Tales? Yes, Facebook Fairy Tales, which was a media sensation. And it was, it had sparked intense conversation about the positive power of Facebook. You know, when Facebook first came out, it got families back together, reunited old loves. It, it was so amazing and so groundbreaking. So it was like real life stories from interviews with Facebook users who've used, you know, the site's many applications to find biological family members. It was so interesting. Um, so she did this great interviews of all different people. So it's miracles like to inspire people all from Facebook. It was like Facebook fairy tales, exactly what it said. And it was groundbreaking. I think she might need to do another one called COVID Chronicles and like, you know, document some of the beautiful human engagement stories that we've seen through this pandemic, because there have been some really beautiful stories emerge from this. I think we've all really come together. The The country has come together. Look at everybody donating and, and 
masks and and what Bethany Frankel has done and people changing over and doing masks and just like even Brave Gowns, the company I work with, has changed their factory over to making masks. Just everybody has done so many things and, and restaurants donating meals to the healthcare workers and sending over food and, and just everybody and people donating to the um, unemployed restaurant workers and, and doing GoFundMes and, and just everybody's, you know, taking the time and, and caring about their fellow neighbors and friends. And it's, a, it's been amazing. This was a very big reminder that as humans, we're not immune to a health crisis. It affects everyone, no matter who you are. And just the connection on a human level, we all have to be kinder, sweeter, and more aware of each other's struggles on an everyday basis. Because this really highlighted people's struggles. Because like I loved what Lady Gaga said when she said, we are all in this together, but we're not all fighting the same fight. Some of us are lucky to be quarantined in homes that we love with people we love, but others might be quarantined in a home with someone who's a domestic abuser or not have enough food and be really struggling. So I think those problems will still exist when we come out of this. So we've got to learn to be kinder and more compassionate. <clears throat> yeah. So please people don't be nasty bitches and assholes. Yes. Just, just try and be nicer because the same thing with me. I could be petty sometimes and, I, and I'm just like, I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. No, this should be a big reminder to live our lives, enjoy ourselves, have a good time, and yes. take care of each other. I agree. I agree. And I think that's what we should be doing. So we're going to try and get Emily to write a book about the COVID chronicles and how people, the good in the world, because people write about a lot of the bad in the world, and there is still a lot of good. And I've been seeing it through this. But yeah, this could be a defining moment in our generation that we came out of this better people. Yes, I hope so. I want everybody to be a better better person and we made Netflix billionaires yes exactly I'm watching and, and I'm watching Bravo we got to watch more Bravo I got to get back to work that's right we got to get this over so you can yeah because there's a lot of good shows. things on Bravo and think of more shows maybe there's some like good shows gonna come out of this some good ideas things like that but in the meanwhile let's have Emily dial in because she's gonna have a lot to tell us she's a new book coming out we want to hear about what inspires her maybe you guys sitting at home could write a book are you going to write a book? I mean, maybe the Marge is going to write a book. It's been on the table. I did. I do want to write a book. And I always did want to call it Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget because that's what I come from. I think that will be an incredible title. Very on brand for you. Yes. And I mean, I I did. That's why I'm friends with Emily because I did want her to uh, help me write the book and, and possibly ghost write it because I could do a lot of talking. I talk fast and I can't write this. So I talk. <laughs> so I think that would be a great thing. I would definitely love to come out with a book. And I think now would be, you know, a good time to do it. And what do you think your book would be? Would it be memoir? Would it be entrepreneurial? Would it be uh, self-help? I think it would be a combo. I think it would be about the way I, I think it would be anecdotal. I think it would be about the way I grew up and lessons learned and things, you know, life lessons. Yeah, life lessons away. with the Marge. Takeaways, some, a lot of business lessons that I've learned. Yes people that I don't want them to make mistakes that I have made that they could learn from me things. You know, listen, I didn't grow up very conventionally. I grew up with Marge Singer. I say, you know, the single mom, a lot of people grew up coming from a divorced family, things that I have learned from it, you know, a lot of takeaways. And I think a combination of a little bit of memoir, a lot of business lessons because so many people want to get into having their own business. And I think now is the perfect time mm -hmm. and taking the leap of faith. So I think, I think the timing would be good. 
Ooh, stay tuned, Caviar stay, Dreamers. Stay tuned, Caviar Dreamers. Hopefully we'll have a, ne- a new read for our next vacation that will be eventually. Yeah, and it'll be a lot, a lot of funny stories. I've had a lot of adventures. Oh, there's a lot of good launch stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll, and it'll still be a fun read. Nothing's obviously nothing serious. No. No. Not us. Even my business stuff isn't so serious. I make it simple and easy and fun. So let's get Emily. Let's on get the line. Emily on the line. Hi, Emily Liebert, USA Today bestselling author. Hi, Margaret Josephs. How are hey, you? How are you? Hi, Lexi. How's it going? Oh, well, it's good. We're so excited to have you on today. Yes. Thank you for dialing in and coming on Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget. Everyone's excited to hear from you because I love the name. It's amazing. Thank you. So you. It is. It is so me. And you know what? Everyone's excited to hear from you because people are reading more. We're stuck in the house. This is true. You have exciting things to read. You not only did all these great novels, you also wrote Facebook fairy tales. This is true. Which was great. Thank you. you. Which we love, which was groundbreaking. And listen, you also co-write things. You, you know, are a ghostwriter. And that's, I just want to tell everybody how I met you because I didn't say that. Emily and I get, uh, I get my hair done at Julius Michael, who does a lot of the housewives and his good friend gets her hair done. You know, Emily's good friend, Andy Sklar gets her hair done there. And I was saying the Marge wants to write a book and not just like a memoir, but some business advice. I don't want everyone to have the pitfalls that I have and that people don't realize, you know, what goes into having a business. There's no overnight success and, and all the life lessons that I've learned. And, and Julia said, well, there's this great author, Emily Liebert. She's smart. She's funny. She gets you. And I don't have the capacity to write my own book, but I have the capacity to tell my stories. And he thought Emily and I would be a great duo. So that's how we met, right, Emily? That is how we met. And we we are a great duo. And I think you have so much valuable, interesting advice to give um, that's really authentic. Um, I find that so many of these books where people are giving advice, you sort of read the advice and you say, Either, oh, I've heard all of this before, or it's easy to sometimes just give advice, but that advice doesn't actually work in the real world. And I think your advice is coming through real experiences that you've had and real things that have worked. So um, I love that. And I'm so excited for you to be a New York Times bestselling author. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm Which I know you will be. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to work together. But this podcast is about you, but I just want everyone to know how we met. So first of all, Emily, you know, so many people want to write their own book. So how did you become an author? What made you decide to become a writer? So I always loved telling stories from the time I was very young and I would say that I elaborated on the truth sometimes. <laughs> I don't want to say I made things up or lied. I just elaborated on the truth and I would tell, I would like regale my family with these, you know, stories from camp that my mom, you know, my parents were like, are you sure that really happened? That person really, oh yeah, that definitely happened. And then this happened and that happened. So I would regale my parents with these stories and I just always loved telling stories. And I always knew I wanted to be a journalist in some way. I just wasn't sure how. So at first I thought I wanted to be a radio sportscaster, but the funny thing about that is you need to know a lot about sports. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really know that much about sports. So that kind of went, you know, down the drain. 
And then I went to work um, at a college. I got my first job working for Peter Jennings at ABC News. Oh, I love Peter Jennings. I used to you know, so handsome. So handsome. Such a nice, nice guy. Um, really wonderful person. Uh, very philanthropic. And um, I loved that. But I, as I looked up the ladder at the producers and the executive producers, I sort of thought, that's not where I want to be. 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And what I really wanted to do was write. So I left ABC News and I became a magazine editor-in-chief, which I did for five years. And I did a lot of freelance writing for every magazine you can think of and wrote hundreds of articles, celebrity profiles, whatnot. And then at that point, it was really got to a place where freelance writing for magazines was sort of going downhill and they were bringing it more in-house. And I wanted bigger project that I could sink yes. my teeth into. So I got the opportunity to edit Carrie Kennedy, who's Robert Kennedy's daughter. I mean, her, that's a big deal, a Kennedy. It was a really big that's deal. Big she wrote deal. a book called Being Catholic Now. I'm not Catholic either, but I learned a lot. Yes, and, was, I, and I'm Catholic, and the guilt is unbearable. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like the Jewish, Jewish guilt, guilt is the same. Jewish Catholics, all the same shit. Are actually yeah. very similar yes. um, in a lot of ways. So I did that, and it was great. That was a New York Times bestseller. And then I said, you know what? I... I can write my own book. And I wrote a novel, um, which was a little bit about my own life. Was that your first novel? You knew that when? novel has never seen the light of day. Oh, really? You need wow. to see the light of day now. It's not that good. So <laughs> I don't want it to well, see maybe the light of day anymore. It. Um, but it was called One White Picket Fence, Please. And it was Ooh, based like on my first marriage, which was a starter marriage. And it was not a very flattering picture of my ex-in-laws. So by the are they time- dead, Are they still alive? Oh, they're still alive. <laughs> okay, that's all right. <laughs> I could say something I'm terrible, you don't talk to them. They're still alive. I don't talk to them. No, obviously. It's fine. They're so terrible people. Let no, it rip. But so I, I wrote that book, and before we had the chance to start pitching it around, I came up with the idea for Facebook fairy tales, and my, my agent said, the Facebook book is timely. We have to move on that. And by the time the Facebook book came out, I felt that writing that first novel had been cathartic and that was enough for me. And I didn't want it to come out and to revisit all of that anymore. So I wrote another novel, which was You Knew Me When. Mm -hmm. And with You Knew Me When, I got a two book deal. Wow. With Penguin Random House. I mean, that everything is so well received. That that doesn't normally happen. I mean, I'm making it sound easier than it was. Obviously, I queried like, you know, a hundred agents before I got an agent. And obviously with You Knew Me When, the first editor that read it didn't buy it. I had rejections. Um, But eventually someone did buy it. Um, and that was Penguin Random House, and they gave me a two book deal. So that was You Knew Me When and When We Fall. So that was my first three books: Facebook Fairy Tales, then You Knew Me When, When We Fall, and then after When We Fall, I those books did really well. So I got another two book deal with Penguin Random House for Those Secrets We Keep and Some Women, which were all women's fiction novels. Mm-hmm. And at that point. I felt that I had sort of stayed my course a little bit in in the purely women's fiction genre. And I wanted 
um, which was commensurate with my personality to make my book <laughs> a little more edgy um, and a little bit darker. And I thought I could improve my writing and make them a little more suspenseful slash thriller-esque. And I felt that in order to do that, I needed a completely fresh sort of start, if you will. Um, and so I moved from Penguin Random House to Simon & Schuster um, and they bought another two book deal, which was Pretty Revenge, which came out last July I and Perfectly it. Famous. Which I, will come out this June. I love Pretty Revenge. It's so amazing. I could not put it down. Martin Singer read it in like a day and a half. And we did an event together for it. Yeah, we did an event yeah, together. I got at RJ Julia. Questions and it was it was great. And and everybody should read it. And it's on sale now, right? It is on sale. Pretty Revenge is on sale right now. The Kindle version for $1.99, which yeah, is a major deal. Which is a major deal. Everybody should just read it. You guys are home right now. Go on Amazon, Kindle, yes. $1.99. It's less so than $2. It's like a cup of coffee. I wouldn't know I don't buy coffee. It's coffee like 20 cents. I have no yeah, just, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Or no, coffee's like, uh, go to Starbucks. It's like, oh, so really $1. cheap. It's like a whole week's <laughs> worth of coffee. <laughs> I like to listen to stuff on audio also. I'm a yep. big, I'd love to, I feel like I'm my grandmother. I want to listen to my stories. I listen to my <laughs> stories. I totally. The soap operas. So it's great. So pretty revenge listening to the, you know, you can the, listen to the okay. audio version too. I listened to, I bought the audio version and I have this signed copy, which I love. So you have another book coming out. So what's the second book? That's the book. That's the, the follow up now that they bought. So the next book is called Perfectly Famous. Mm. Um, it's not Tell related to Pretty Revenge premise? in any way. What's the premise? The premise is Lexi was like, what do you say? Yes. Uh, in her yes. British Jersey accent. What is it? <laughs> the premise of your novel. Oh, the premise of the book <laughs> is um, there is a famous crime writer author named Ward de Fleur. She's a huge crime novelist. And her daughter is abducted and killed, her teenage daughter. There, and she flees. After this happens, she can't deal. She thinks it's her fault. She flees from her town and goes into hiding, never to write a book again. Her publisher can't track her down. Nobody can track her down. And there is another woman who is a big fan of hers, who is a former journalist, and she's been a housewife for years and she's going through a divorce and she needs something to fill her life again. And she makes it her mission to find Ward and track her down. And in doing so, she gets entangled with the daughter's killer. Ooh. Ooh. Now, where do you kind con- dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Where do you get your inspiration for your novels? So most of my inspiration I get through either something that I hear in my own life, a nugget of an idea that'll spark something to me. Sometimes I literally will be sitting on the couch just thinking. My husband will come home and he'll be like, what are you doing? You're just sitting there doing nothing. And I'm like, I'm thinking of book ideas. This is work. (laughs) happening right now me sitting on the couch staring off into space is work happening you just don't know it um sometimes I will literally just sit and think um I'll think what hasn't been done or what could be an interesting take on something but obviously when I when I talk about you know when I write about someone who's an author or the world of journalism those are 
areas that I've experienced that I can pull from. It would be like if you wrote about a woman who was on a reality TV series, you know? Yeah, yeah. you are friends, I mean, with a lot of um, reality stars because you did, uh, I'll say, collaborate with Teresa on her most recent book. I did collaborate with Teresa on Standing Strong. So uh, she is a good friend of mine. So do- I'm friends with other than, obviously, I'm good friends yeah, with you. So does any of your characters um, reflect any of those crazy housewives you're friends with? The answer to that is not yet. But <laughs> my next novel is about influencers. And I think that I will be able to pull some from those worlds and experiences. Even though none of the influencers are housewives, it's still material. Yes, because... That I can use, for sure. I Yeah, I definitely think there's some character traits among many reality stars that... Yeah, that, and I think you're all influencers. Yeah, so, so even though these aren't and all lend a little bit of crazy in our own way. That's you know, that I think, you know, people you? are crazy. No, not me. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think, I mean, not me. I don't think I'm that crazy. She's actually but standing on her head right now. Kind of, <laughs> <laughs> that's some kind of character. You know, I think also people, you know, would like to know from you, so many people want to write a book. So, so many people don't know where to get started. Uh, um, what would you how what would you recommend to people who like, or you know, I have a story to tell, or I have great ideas, like how to gather their thoughts, or or where do you even start? They can't they can't afford a ghostwriter. They can't afford someone to collaborate with. They want to do it themselves. What how do, how does someone start? So it depends if you want to write fiction or nonfiction. If you want to write fiction, which is a novel, which is a made up story, you actually have to write an entire book before you get an agent. In order to get the agent, the whole book needs to be done. And I think that that requires a certain amount of writing talent. You know, you have to, I would read a lot of other novels, see what works, read books about um, format and plot and when the story arcs need to be, if you're not sure, Um, and then try your hand at it and then get people to read it. Um, Enjoy reading workshop, writing workshops, ask your friends, your family, you don't have to take all of their advice, but you need other people to read the book before you start submitting it to agents. Once you feel that you have a great manuscript, a full manuscript, then you have to start sending query notes to agents. You don't send the book. You send a query note saying, here's who I am. Two short paragraphs. Here is who I am. Here is what my book is about. And then the agent will get back to you and say a few different things. One, sorry, not interested. Two, send me the first 10 pages of the book. Three, send me the first 50 pages of the book, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you get an agent, they then submit it to editors at publishing houses. So that's a novel. If you want to write a nonfiction book, which would either be a memoir or you're an expert at something, you have to write a full outline with sample chapters, which you know something about yes, because we've worked on that together. Yes, we've done and that. so you have to look online 
unless you have someone to do it for you or can help you and collaborate with you, you look online or you go to the you know bookstore when we can go to bookstores again and get a book literally on how to write a book proposal, which is what I did when I wrote my first one. And you follow that exact format and you write some sample chapters and then you go through the same thing, pitching agents. Yes. Which so I- it's easier, it's faster to get a nonfiction deal than it is because you don't have to write the entire book. You can get it with a proposal and usually two to three sample chapters. Emily, do you think this, um, this pandemic, everything, do you think people are reading more? I do. Um, I think people are reading more because it's something that you, you know, can do at home. You can still download books. You don't have to go to a store. I think in the very beginning, people were, were, nervous and they couldn't concentrate and they couldn't just like sit down and read a book. So I I do think it was harder for people who had books that came out end of February, March, and maybe even a little bit into the beginning of April. But now I think we're seeing a turn where this is people are realizing that we're home for a while. We're not, you know, going back out into the public and the masses in time within the next, you know, couple of weeks, months, maybe. So yeah, people are uh, turning their sights toward reading books for sure. You you know, I want to ask you, which I feel sad because I love to hold, you know, besides the fact I love to listen to a a story as well and on an audible, but I use, I love to also hold a book and flip pages. So many people are doing books online. Do you feel like that's what the trend is going to be doing? You know, it's really funny. And it was, it was really moving toward digital. And um, I would find that my books start, were starting to sell more on Kindle and Nook and those devices than they were actual hard copies. But then it sort of equaled out again. And now I think with the pandemic, it's it's so people keep saying, you know, the books that you hold, the printed books are a thing of the past. They're going away, but they're not. Um, they're I, they're very much here to stay. I think yeah, I'm a, I'm a people page- still love to hold a book and read it. And they yeah, always I will. Love, Emily, are you thinking, which I love a book adaptation to the screen. Are you thinking, because I, th- I can see pretty revenge making its way to the the big screen or or a series or something like that. Pretty Revenge was optioned by a major network, um, which will be announced soon. And it was optioned for a television series. Wow. I I could see that. As far as I know, they have just found a writer and the writer will write a pilot. And then we will all keep our fingers crossed that it will be picked up. Which I think, you know, so many great shows have come out of books, right? Oh, yeah. So many. So um, I'm definitely hoping for that, keeping my fingers crossed. And I have another call with someone this afternoon about adapting Perfectly Famous. So, ooh, that and Perfectly Famous hasn't even made its way to the show. That's right. Oh, I love that. That's very, very exciting. It's always the hope. It's the caviar dream. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. That I know. That's a lot. That's Hopefully a lot. not on a tuna fish budget. <laughs> no, not on a tuna yeah. fish budget. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're in it for the cash, the big right. the caviar budget, right? I exactly. Mean, which is great, which is super exciting. Now, are you being home, be, you know, so perfectly famous, which is very exciting. And then you're working on your other book. Now, what is, does Lewis, you, you know, your husband, who I know, who I love, I mean, 
I know he's in aviation. Is he ever like Emily, you know, does he ever get paranoid? Like you're taking some inspiration from your personal life? Oh yeah. Is he ever like, don't write about me? Uh, Well, he doesn't really have that. So what happens is Lewis doesn't read my books until shortly before they come out. He yeah. procrastinates Ooh. and procrastinates and procrastinates. And then shortly before they come out, I say something like, it's going to be embarrassing for you when people asked you if you liked the book and you have to tell them you haven't read it. Like, that's not a <laughs> good look for you at the launch party. You know, I, I typically say, and he says, yes, yes. And Lewis is a very fast reader. So then he reads the book and then a, in a couple of days. And now the book is already done. There's nothing he can do about <laughs> it and changing it. And then yes. he comes to me and he's like, that happened between us. That was the fight that we had. And I'm like, no, that was not the fight that we had. You're remembering things wrong. I made that up. And he's like, I said that. I know I said that. And I'm like, maybe it's fine. It's done now. And he's like, great. I I love it. So now people are going to wonder, like, because you are so plugged in, what's on your nightstand now? What are you reading now? (laughs) As I look over to my nightstand, I am reading, actually, I am reading an advanced reading copy right now of Kimberly Bell's Stranger in the Lake. Kimberly Bell is an amazing author. Um, Stranger in the Lake doesn't come out until June, but her last book, Dear Wife, was fantastic. So I always recommend hers. I I think I downloaded that. You probably did. I may have recommended it to you, but Dear Wife is fantastic. Um, I just read Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner, which is coming out in a couple of weeks in May. And also The Wife Stalker by Liv Constantine, um, which is also coming out in May. And then I've got How to Save a Life by Liz Fenton and Lisa Steinecke. I have Cleo McDougall Regrets Nothing by Allison Wynne Scotch. And I've got All is Not Forgotten by Wendy Walker. Those are wow. all the books on my nightstand right now. There's a lot of good recommends I have which a stack. on our website. Emily's Emily's, Emily's uh, recommends picks. Emily's picks, hmm. which sound absolutely amazing. Do you have any plans to go back into like nonfiction? Because the Facebook fairy tales was such a powerful piece at that time. And we were saying yesterday, it's almost like, you know, ready for COVID chronicles to, you know, kind of like all these stories that are happening now of human connection. It's so true. Um, And I would never say never, but I love writing novels. That's what I really love doing. Facebook fairy tales was an idea that just sort of came to me at the right time, right place, right time. I guess I was probably feeling insecure about the novel that was too much about me and my experience. And maybe like, you know, psychologically somehow wanted to come up with something to divert from that. So I would never say never. I certainly will um, collaborate slash, you know, write books for with celebrities, personalities. That's nonfiction. So I definitely, you know, I look forward to writing, collaborating with you, Margaret, um, on your book. Yes, we got to hop on that. I have to hop on that. And uh, so that I will definitely do. But the COVID Chronicles is a great idea, Lexi. I think you can do it. Yes, we we had mentioned that in our introduction. We're thinking, yes, the COVID chronicles, because it is true. It's like, listen, are people going to be getting divorced? Are babies going to be being born? The the world's coming together. Absolutely. Good things are coming out of this. 
you know, people are ban- banning together, right? Banning yeah, together, but, is that the right thing to yeah. say? Yeah, together. together. Yes. And, uh, you know, there are some beautiful stories in this times of crisis. I agree. Yeah. I mean, the other day, one of my dear friend's fathers died around the corner. We did, you know, you can't have a shiva, right? You right. can't do anything. You yeah. can't have a funeral. There was a 30 car processional that we went past her house. Everybody held signs up. It was, it was so beautiful. You know, people are taking the time. And people are doing that for birthday parties too. Sort of the happier side of it. We just did that. We did like a birthday caravan for a friend the other day. And we're doing another one this week for another friend. And it's so nice. I mean, first of all, people want something to do right now. Yes. And people Um, are taking the time to make a human connection. Yep. Which, you know, when you can't make, you know, when you can't touch, physically touch people and see that and people are making a more concerted effort, which is nice because I think it's highlighted all the things that we took for granted being taken away from us. It's highlighted. It's made everyone evaluate their value system. I definitely have. Completely. I agree. Yeah. And the people that I really love and that I'm close to and you're and you're connecting with everybody. So, Emma, I mean, I I think this is another book for you. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for the idea, guys. I, mean, I, know, I know you're super busy, but you, know, you never know. I could knock that one out. I want people to hear how quickly sometimes you bang out a book because I've been very impressed. So how quick I, in some books. So could I, you just tell us? So Teresa's book was written in five weeks. Five weeks, Whoa. people. Five weeks because it had to get to the shelves. Her and Teresa worked together five weeks. Yep. So we, we wanted to get it to the shelves by the time that the show aired, yeah. that season of the show Which, aired. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, novels I write in about um, anywhere between four to six months. Which is still pretty quick. A lot of people take years. So how fast does it get on the shelves? If you if you write it in four to six months, basically a year from when I turn in the first manuscript. So, for example, the first manuscript of Perfectly Famous was due last May, the end of May of 2019, and it will come out June 2020. So it's it's just about a year from the time I hand in that first manuscript. So about a year and a half from the time I first start writing it until it sees the light of day. It's really amazing because everyone is so, when a book comes out, everyone's so focused on that book. And for me, I'm already so deep into the next book that it's, you know, like, it's a funny cycle. This is last year's news. I'm on yeah. to the next You know, I th- I know it's so crazy. Do you ever get like your deadlines from your um, publishing house and sit there with like a creative block and think, oh my God, now I really can't do this? Never. Oh, you are Never. so lucky. The deadlines are so far off. They're a year away usually from the time that I get the deal. I have a lot of wiggle room built in there. So if there is a day where like I really am not feeling it and I really feel I can't write something, I can skip a day. But usually no matter what, I if I'm having a day like that, I try to force something onto the page, even if it gets completely revamped, edited, or maybe even scrapped. I just sort of do it to keep some kind of creative juices flowing. When you take off, the more time you take off, the harder it is to get back into it. 
I think you're absolutely yeah. right. It's like with exercise. I've taken yeah, off weight. Exactly. Off. And I'm a very, I'm all or nothing with both. <laughs> I'm all or nothing with writing and I'm all or nothing with exercise. I also don't write. I write for about four hours a day when I'm in writing mode. And that produces about 1,500 words a day. There are people who write for eight hours and put down 10,000 words on the page and then scrap 8,000 of them the next day. That is not me. I write 15,000 good words that I'm happy with. 1,500. 1,500, sorry. 1,500, you know, words that I like. Maybe the next day I go back and edit a little, but I don't just sort of like verbal diarrhea onto the page and then, you know, have to go back and cut 90,000 words at the end. Um, when I, I write sort of like, if I know I have 80,000 words to write for a manuscript, my manuscript is usually around 80,000 when great. I'm done. That's great. You're so disciplined. You're so good. But also, sometimes you know, I wish I was the, sometimes I wish I was the person who could just throw it all out there and then go back and pull back and edit it. But I don't, I guess I don't have that much to say. No, but your brain, no, but your brain edits, which is good. Yeah, I mean, right. you're creative, your brain edits ahead of time. You're not wasting time. Four hours, you're creative. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and write? Do you ever like dream? I wake up in the middle of the night and write, but I wake up in the middle of the night and email myself ideas. I used to write them down on a piece of paper, but now I've come into the modern world. And so I email them to myself. I know. That's so good. I, I had love a it. for a long time. All right, people. Uh, <laughs> we love Finally, I have a calendar. We have notes everywhere. Every we're like so, we're like, like so old school. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'll text myself, I'll email myself, but I write shit down. I post it notes still. Uh, you know, for me, it holds so much more weight when I write it on a piece of paper. I think sometimes totally. minds me. Where someone's like, here, let me give you a phone number. I'll go and grab a piece of pen and paper. And my husband's like, just text it to yourself. And I know, oh, but, yeah. it's, but no, I know I because like, then I can throw away the piece of paper and lose it. <laughs> so Emily, thank you so much for calling thank in, but I want guys. everybody to know where to find you. So tell everybody where to find you. You can find me at emilyliebert.com. That's my website on Instagram. I am at Emily Liebert on Facebook. I am at author Emily Liebert on Twitter. I am at Emily Liebert as well. I'm not huge on Twitter, but follow me on the gram. Yes. Um, order pretty revenge. One ninety nine on Kindle on Amazon. Yes. We order perfectly famous, please. Yes. Perfectly famous. Is it um, available for pre-order? Pre-order. It is available now and it will be out June 2nd. I love that. I'm so excited and I can't wait to read it, but uh, Emily Lieber and Liebert spelled L I E B E R T. Yes, it is. Uh, we, will, we will have all her information oh, on margaretjosephs.com under caviar dreams. You're all right, welcome. Emily. Thank, thank you. Thank you so guys. Much. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks. You too. I love talking with Emily. We got some work to do. you got a book to write. Ladies. I know guys, I've got a book to write, you know, co-write. I'll do the talk and Emily could do the writing, but she'll definitely speak in my voice. I was obsessed. She's great. And that was really inspirational. If anyone's at home right now, pick up your pen, start typing into your notes, get, get writing. Yes, exactly. Start typing. put down your, you know, I bet everybody has like an interesting story to tell or make up a story. If you're a chronic liar um, and you have a big imagination and the laborator, I mean, you got a story to tell. If you have a vivid imagination, part psychotic, 
you got a story to tell. That's what I say. I think so. Look at J.K. Rowling also. She was like a down on the luck. She was on food stamps in England. She was sat at a kitchen table despairing. Exactly. Look at now. If that's not a caviar dream on a tuna fish budget, I mean, that's worse than a tuna fish budget. She was probably eating cat food. Yes, she could have been at that point. Exactly. So this is such an inspirational story. And I'm super excited. I'll be sharing more of the Marge story um, in a book hopefully coming out in the future before I need another facelift. <laughs> and uh, that's great. So I hope everybody's home and safe and uh, love you guys. And thanks for listening. Yes. You can find us at caviar dreams, tuna fish budget on Instagram. You can find the Marge at the real Margaret Joseph's. I'm at the life of Mrs. B and all the info from today's episode will be on margaretjosephs.com on the caviar dreams section. Yes, and Pretty Revenge is available on Kindle for only $1.99, which is less than a Starbucks. So get it while it's hot. And we'll put a swipe up on Instagram too. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming.